Backward down the field, the world's largest air-supported podcast. He's Chris Burke, the Athletics Detroit Lions beat writer. I'm Ty Schalter, host of the Athletics Detroit Lions podcast. That was me amusing only myself, uh, playing a little joke there, an homage to the great Andres Cantor and and Fabian Espindola, the Real Salt Lake forward. I always pronounce Danny Amendola's name, Amendola, because it's it's funny, again, only to me. And now I'll have the chance to do that a lot more often because Bob Quinn has put not one, not two, not three, but four balls in the back of the net, four big signings, Amendola being one of them. Uh, Chris, you probably haven't had a moment to breathe, have you? It's been a busy day, man. Yeah, it's been kind of fun to watch it happen. I, I mean, I don't know. It's always sort of one or one of two ways. These uh, the opening of free agency is going to go. Either you're going to sign everyone, and everyone and, and people are going to go nuts and think that that fixes most of the problems, or you're not going to sign anyone, and they're going to go nuts because you didn't sign anyone and you still have yeah. problems. So it's yeah, you know, they've gone the. Uh, They've gone the way of chasing sort of the off-season uh, championship, which um, <laughs> you know doesn't always work out well. But I, I don't know that you could possibly look through these deals and think that they're worse than they were before this day started. I mean, they certainly got better at some pretty important positions. And uh, Bob Quinn, can, I mean, he's he wasn't that aggressive last year in free agency, but he's been aggressive pretty much everywhere else. And I think that. Uh, I, they're not. They are not. This is not it. They're not done with these four. So I think we're going to see some more stuff here in the next uh, few days. I, I probably be something while we're talking <laughs> on this podcast. But yeah, uh, I don't think they're done and um, put themselves in a little better spot moving forward here for sure. All right. Now, obviously, all of your in-depth, you know, quick and in-depth analysis is going to be up on the Athletic Detroit. If you don't subscribe, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, but Chris, let's let's start with the big one first. Uh, Trey James. Flowers. Oh, oh. <laughs> no. yeah, no, Jesse James. And again, if you've been following me on Twitter at Ty Shelter, I've been putting up Jesse James memes. I did Pokemon. I did the American <laughs> Chopper. Like I thought, one of us was Jesse James. No, that's the other motorcycle show. Uh, so lots of lots of Jesse James jokes. But no, Trey Flowers. Uh, you know, just before things got really exciting, um, you know, the Rams re-signed Dante Fowler Jr. right at the deadline. There, uh, you know, came to a, a, an agreement for a one-year deal, keeping him off the market. And I saw at least one analyst say, "Well, that makes Trey Flowers the top guy available in free agency, like the number one free agent." And here we are, and the Lions have gone out and signed him. Obviously, a pass rusher, huge, huge need. Um, as 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 big a need as this fits and as good of a fit as he is and obviously the patriots connection patricia quinn they know who they're getting yet 25 years old coming off kind of a breakout year this still really isn't the like off the edge flamethrower guy am i wrong no, you're right. I mean, I think you hit on a couple of points there, uh, interesting points there too. Besides, the, obviously, we know that they like guys that they're familiar with and have those Patriots ties and that they've seen Indeed. or worked with. I don't think. I mean, that's the worst kept secret in football right now that they are <laughs> going to go after some of those guys. But um, Pride of Detroit uh, hit at Pat's pulpit. You guys just want to merge blogs. After three <laughs> former Patriots now uh, join the team again today. It's kind of nuts, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you hit on one big thing that he's just, you know, he's 25. Jesse James is 
24, Justin Coleman's 25. So other than uh, Danny Amendola, these are guys that you can, you know, the, that was a one-year signing. These are guys that you think are going to be around for a little while. So I think that that's um, pretty important. But, yeah, I mean, I, the, this is obviously – this isn't, um, you know, going and getting just a pure pass rusher, like you said. This isn't going and signing, I, I mean, I guess Justin Houston maybe you'd fall Houston, in that category, yeah. or Ziggy, if you were going to bring Ziggy back. <laughs> um, but I think that what you like about him is, um, A, I mean, he had seven and a half sacks last year. I, I think there's a sense that he could bump that number up if you maybe use him more as a pure pass rusher. But some of the value for him, certainly in in Detroit, is that, uh, he's a three-down guy. He's solid against the run. Right. He can drop in coverage if you need him to. And you can move him around inside. And so now you have, I mean, you have Damon Harrison, who's more or less, you, you know, your nose, your one tech. You have Ashawn Robinson, who's going to be, maybe pushes out to a five tech every once in a while, but probably going to be a three or, you know, closer to the ball. And then you have Deshaun Hand. And now mm-hmm. you have, uh, he's brought back Romeo Aquora. Uh, now you have Trey Flowers. You've got Devin Kennard. I mean, you have a bunch of guys that you can move around to different spots. And we we saw this year even. That was the best the Lions pass rush look this year was when they could kind of tweak things up front, catch the guys, catch the offensive line off guard, maybe slip Jared Davis in on a blitz here, here or there. And Trey Flowers is now um, – I mean, I don't think it's uh, – maybe other than Quandre Diggs, I think it's probably one of the two of them, their most versatile defender, and certainly their most versatile defender in the front seven. So he gives you a ton of options. And, again, you're assuming you're signing him as an ascending player hitting his peak as he goes into this big money contract. Yeah, yeah, all the all the bonuses add up there. You get the versatility, you get the flexibility, lots of different looks. And I think maybe underrated is depth, especially when you're talking about the front seven, talking about rushing the passer. This is one of the situations where, I mean, if there's a lesson learned from Ezekiel Ansa, right, it's that you can't have one guy be all of the pass rush. You can't have one guy who can get injured and miss half the season be the only one who can get back there. So yeah, you got to have the role players, you got to have the puzzle pieces, but you do have to have enough raw talent that you can throw several different looks in there. And if somebody goes down, you know, if you lose hand, if you lose Aquara, then you still have the ability to move some guys around and create some mismatches and you don't force yourself back into one look. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we might see, you know, I don't know that Deshaun Hans necessarily guy they want out there seventy percent of snaps, and I think right. you know they, I don't think they want Damon Harrison necessarily out there on third downs, and you know all these things that they can sort of play with a little bit as they go to you know however however many defensive linemen they're going to be using and in whatever alignment, but yeah, I mean he's uh, Flowers is a guy who was really effective coming off the left side of the line last year, um, and really good as a pass rusher when they moved him inside, and for some of the same reasons that. You know, we sort of saw Deshaun Hand start to look good as a pass rusher there is that he's just more athletic than the guys that are blocking him in there, frankly. So, you know, you get some of those matchups. I don't think it's out of the question that we would see, you know, Hand and uh, Flowers lined up inside and then Kennard and Okwara outside, and those are your four up front on a passing down. I mean, I I think that that's certainly an option they could play with next year. So, again, this is, you know, you're sort of opening up the possibilities. Um at the same time, I mean, if you're going to give a guy 18, whatever it ends up being, 16, mm-hmm. 17 million a mm-hmm. year. That's where we're going next. Uh, you know, 
You got to get. He can't be a five sack guy. I mean, this no, ascension no. that we're talking about, this versatility, it's all got to play out now. You know, he's got to be an impact guy for this defense. Absolutely, and that that's exactly where I was going next. Is the salary cap impact of this? Now you tweeted the salary cap is a mirage. And I tweeted, you know, basically the same thing earlier. There is no salary cap. $1.1 billion worth of unspent cap from all 32 teams going into this day. The Lions were 10th on the list with about 40. Obviously, you hold back the rookie pool. You save some for a rainy day if you got to make a snacks trade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the Lions probably had about 30-some to spend on this season going into it. And depending on how this year friendly the Flowers deal is, and it's long enough that it could be pretty friendly for this year, they probably have spent about half of that, maybe a little more, depending, again, um, uh, on the rest of these deals that we'll get to. I, I have fallen squarely, squarely in the camp of you spend all the money, you don't sweat the money, you get the Trey Flowers, you don't get... plan b plan c plan d in this market because in another year or two these new contracts these tv contracts are going to come rolling in the salary cap is going to go up and if these 24 25 year old guys can continue to be the players that we think they can be they are going to look like very very reasonable deals yeah it's kind of nuts that we do this every off season you know every year oh he's overpaid for this guy he's the highest paid player at his position and then within a week, everything is changing, you know, and you get two years into the contract and suddenly the highest paid slot corner and Justin Coleman or second highest paid, I guess, depending on where you count Logan Ryan, um, it is that's the just the new deal for slot corners. I mean, I don't think I yeah. think that's certainly where we're trending to eight, nine, ten million a year uh, for slot corners who the, the Bears just signed someone for five, like five and a half who's not nearly as good. Uh, yeah. as Justin Coleman. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that it's kind of crazy you do this. There's always ways to sort of tweak the cap. Um, the only time you really get in trouble, I think the only time it makes an impact, um, well, two times. I mean, I think one is if you can throw, like the Colts just threw $13 million at Devin Funches because they had money, you know, so you throw a so one-year $13 million at him and it's, not, and it's nothing because it's not going to carry over, not going to hurt you this year, whatever. So I think that that's... If you have a ton of money, it helps, obviously. But the only time... I I gotta say, I I tweeted this out. I went back and looked this up. Um, That is in between the... The, the amount of cap space that they had is 101 million. Yeah. That is in between the 2008 and 2009 numbers for the total salary cap <laughs> the amount they had free they had That's an crazy. entire roster's worth from 10 years ago of cap money to spend and that that culture that we talk about of course you know some of us you and i kind of came of age as football fans during the beginning of that cap era and we saw some of these teams i mean you know lions fans saw player after player kevin glover lomas brown chris spielman you know shipped out oh no not enough to to keep these guys around you know the salary cap got to look out for that but we also saw teams just get dismantled you know the the tennessee titans go into cap hell um and and the salary cap was really flat from about then about 2009 2010 up until just a couple you know a couple years ago there's basically five or six years around the new cba where the salary cap didn't move at all and yet every year 
they're doing year-over-year increases in terms of draft picks and year-over-year increases in terms of free agents. The per-position scales were going up, but the total cap was flat. It's a completely different ball game now. Nobody is going to be sitting around going, oh, no, we have to we have to sell off all these great pieces. We have to dismantle yeah. a, a dynasty in its prime. It's just it's, nobody is in that. Unless there's serious, serious, serious mismanagement, you are not going to see that again. Um, and, and certainly not, like you said, the, the Colts, out of $101 million, can absolutely afford to blow all of that money and more on <laughs> Funchess, even if yeah. he's, you know, yeah. So to continue... Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, like you said, I, I think things have changed. Like the rookie, the rookie cap certainly changed things because that's how the Lions got yes. in trouble before. I mean, when you had then they, they were terrible those years, and then you had to pay Stafford and you had to pay Calvin Johnson and all Sue. You know, Sue, all these guys right oh at the same Lord. same time hit these huge contracts. That doesn't really happen. I mean, you still have to pay those rookies, and especially at the quarterback position. Um, you'll see some teams get in trouble when guys accelerate from the rookie deal to a veteran deal, but. Uh, it's hard to get in cap trouble unless you just get hammered with dead money, unless you make so many bad signings over multi-years that you're cutting guys and taking, you know, millions and millions of dollars in cap, a dead cap. And we see some, there are some teams that have that, and the teams that don't have a lot of money to spend, typically that's what's happening. But, you know, as we saw, the Lions started with, you know, 15, 20 million. They got it up to 45 million. Now they're back to whatever, 25, 30. They probably could add another 10 if they wanted by cutting a couple yeah. guys or restructuring. So, uh, I mean, I, I think it's um, it it makes these contracts kind of harder to, to judge at their onset because we don't really know how high these numbers are going to go a couple years from now. But from the Lions' perspective, they put themselves in a good spot. And I think they if they want to go make one or two more pretty big impact signings, they've got the money to do that too. That is music to a lot of Lions fans' ears. You're going to hear a little music. We're going to get to our break. When we come back, we are going to discuss maybe the slightly less obvious, big, splashy, big home run, 72-point font signings. When we get back on the other side of the break, here on Backward Down the Field, the Athletics Detroit Lions podcast. Like what me and Chris Burke do on Backward Down the Field, you gotta subscribe to The Athletic Detroit. Get full access to all of Chris's incredible insider coverage, plus all of The Athletic's sister sites all around the country, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA. Believe me, it's more than worth the few dollars to subscribe to TheAthletic.com. You will not regret it. Chris, I know free agency is absolutely nuts even even in the boring years you know even in the years where you're sitting there and uh after you know day two day three you know the sort of c level guy you know devon Kennard gets signed and, and everybody's looking around at each other like is that it is that's all that's happening you're still on like full wild alert that entire time right Like Chris covering the team, you like like this free agency period is absolutely bonkers. Uh, just in terms of, of of grading and and staying by the phone and and hoping you don't miss anything. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean it's 
kind of exhilarating, but also it is, yeah, it's a lot. To, and for the fans, too, I'm sure they're all sitting there waiting to see, you know, what the next move's going to be, who's going to, which team's going to sign, not just the Lions, but, you know, what are the Packers doing, what are the Bears doing, and all this sure. stuff. So it's uh, it does get pretty crazy. It's also interesting, you know, just working in this industry, but also working, you know, sort of where I do with the people that I work with. And, like, if the Red Wings make a trade – you know, Craig Custance just dials up Ken Holland and talks to him for 20 minutes. But <laughs> <So> the Lions, <laughs> right. you know, the Lions sign Trey Flowers or reportedly sign Trey Flowers. And Bob Quinn will probably put out a comment in the statement when they announce that. And then he'll talk at the league meetings for a few minutes. And then he'll talk at the draft. And there's like yeah. two or three people. And there's, you know, it's like Schefter and Rappaport and like maybe, and like Tom Pelissaro. And then that's it. You know, there's not a whole lot of like <laughs> other stuff going on. It's kind of, it, it's, that's, it's a little frustrating, frankly, as a writer, but it's sure. kind of fascinating to see um, just how, uh, you know, insulated the NFL free agency period is. Uh, because even these big names, like you have, we'll get some idea, like, oh, you know, six or seven teams are interested in this guy, blah, blah, blah. But, we didn't hear much about Lions and Justin Coleman until that deal no. came out, right? So it's just no. these, these things come out of nowhere. Well, and it's it's really funny when the same person talks to two or three people or or there's news, there's overlapping stuff, like different sides. Like someone in the team will talk to somebody and then the agent will talk to somebody else. And you'll like refresh Twitter and you'll see like you know, one national reporter go, ooh, things could be heating up between player X and team Y. Yeah. And then, like, four minutes later, another national reporter will go, player X is going to sign with team Y. <laughs> you know, it's right. like, you hear, you, sometimes there's there's no run-up, and then all of a sudden what becomes rumored absolutely happens at the instant everybody finds out there's a rumor. And then, of course, then you have Nick Foles to the Jags, which... <laughs> All right, that one we knew everybody about. Everybody... Yeah. yeah, it's so telegraphed. Sometimes it's so unpredictable, and sometimes it is the most predictable thing in the world. Before we move on, before we talk about the other non-Trey Flowers signings, want to give a shout-out to listener Ja Wombs left a five-star review for nice. Backward Down the Field on iTunes. One of the best really good podcast full of great insight and info good luck finding a better podcast on the lions even if i do dislike the name (laughs) so yeah ended on a bit of a doubter but we were cruising there for a while (laughs) folks if you want to leave a review on itunes soundcloud stitcher spotify wherever you listen to backward down the field absolutely do five star ratings and reviews are huge and keeping us around so we can keep doing what we're doing for you let's do that thing we do chris you brought him up already justin coleman uh now uh, maybe the highest paid slot corner in the nfl for like five minutes i don't know how much longer <laughs> till the next slot corner signs uh give me your thoughts on on bringing him in yeah i mean it's one of those that like when it happens uh, personally i just almost felt I almost feel kind of foolish sometimes because you're trying to connect the dots on all, every guy in the NFL who's available to yes. the line, you know, like where, what's yes. the, what's the fit? What do they need? Um, and frankly, the, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that they'd look that hard at slot corner. I, you know, Bryce Callahan was out there. Um, that was really the slot corner that I thought maybe they'd go after, but it wasn't, you know, they still had Nevin Lawson on the roster at that point, And Jamal Agnew played some slot last year, you know, Quandre Diggs moves around a bunch. So it, just sort of naturally focused my attention on number two cornerback and 
you know, kind of overlook this guy who played for Matt Patricia before and just, again, another guy that's sort of climbing up and is sort of emerging right as he hits free agency. So, um, you know, you think back to last year, you mentioned that, like, B and C wave signings, and that's when the Lions went and got Deshaun Shedd, who was, I guess, supposed to compete as the number two cornerback in theory, but really was supposed to be their big slot guy. And we saw that, you know, in the Patriots game, they basically just used him on Gronk, you know, and that was his thing that he did. He just covered For some sure. b- bigger guys. Um, and this is more, this is a similar signing. I mean, this is, he's going to play that similar role, but I think this is a guy who's a lot more, gives you a lot more than that. And it's a lot more athletic. And with the, the Lions are playing, you know, 70, 75% of the time last year in nickel or dime uh, or some variation. Um, so the slot guy is, as I tweeted out, you know, Say no, nine million for a slot guy, but that you're paying a starting cornerback essentially. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's what a that's a starting cornerback salary these days. So I, I think it's you know the money doesn't uh, doesn't bother me that much. And you mentioned the other thing, like I'm sure it's built in so that this year the cap hits a little lower. And we hear nine for thirty six. You probably figure that that's or uh, four for thirty six. Nine would be nine is a Red Wings contract. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> it's the Zetterberg deal. Uh, Kenny Holland's on the phone again, apparently. <laughs> uh, four for 36. And, the, you know, those things typically you sort of shorten them to like two and a half and 24 or something. You know, it's always like yeah. a fraction of the total. So I, I don't know. What would you think of that? Were you, are, were you surprised at all, I guess, that they signed or spent so much money at that position? Well, certainly when you clear up, and actually I put it out on Twitter, Sean Bukowski actually just asked us that exactly where I was going next with after you let Nevin Lawson go and you have a couple of guys that have had some time inside, you know, Agnew, obviously, Condre Diggs, you look at as a safety, but maybe you're going to sign a safety. You know, I think a lot of people thought, okay, well then, you know, you, you shuffle, shuffle the corners around, maybe you get a safety, put Diggs back at, at slot, uh, and just get that outside guy. Obviously, now they've gone big on the inside guy. So then, then what do you go outside? Are you drafting a guy? Are you, you still have some money out there? I don't, I don't know if there's another outside corner. Can you sink that much into the secondary? And then what do you do at safety? So I think, I think my biggest question is if you think this solves your problem at slot, and thus you know keeps digs at safety, what's your move for number two corner? Because Lawson wasn't cutting it, and and you have to have a move. I think. Yeah, and I well, you we also saw some of the safety contracts coming in. You know, Landon Collins got <laughs> not, whatever it was, eighty-two million. Was that what it was? Oh eighty-four gosh. million. Yeah, uh, Washington. Honey Bad Tyron Matthew got fourteen million a year. So the safety contracts are up there, um, and I think the the Lions feel pretty good about what they have. Certainly in Quandre Diggs, and I think they're expecting Tracy Walker to. Um, play some meaningful minutes for him next year so you know now you're looking for, for sure. another guy to fill in and they could have gone to the far end of that and gone after landon collins now it looks like they're probably settled for the that might be a second third wave signing maybe that's a rookie but i think you're right i think number two cornerbacks maybe their biggest glaring weakness left uh that or you know right guard i think so you've got to yeah. do something but it seems like a good spot i think now that you put them yourself in position to go wait a little bit here Maybe you sign a veteran guy who's been around, you get him for a year, you know, give him sort of an, an Amendola-type contract. You give him a year, you draft a guy in the third round, uh, and you just sort of go from there. Because, again, now you have your number one corner 
and your nickel corner locked down. So there are some other ways to kind of mask what's happening at that number two spot. Uh, but I think that that's probably the play now, either a trade or a signing, a short-term signing of a veteran, and then use one of those draft picks either at eight or further down the list on a cornerback. One guy, <laughs> which you talk about the like, what is this it type signings. I think when the news that Amendola was the guy the first <laughs> signing at the beginning of the morning, everybody's kind of looking around like, and especially when the contract came in, was it 4.5? Yeah. One year, you know, so there's no proration. He's taken a big chunk out of this year's war chest. Everybody's going, this is not it. What a 34 year old former Patriot, like, Ooh, I don't know. And then like, basically like one vine from him walking into the airport and putting on a tiger's cap. <laughs> Seem to just basically sell everybody on Danny Amendola, Detroit Lions wide receiver. And, you know, Dan Orlovsky went out and put out a great video that basically was like, look, you know, he still runs this one route really well. And Matthew Stafford throws that pass really well. Even if this is all you have him doing, this is a great fit. Still led the awful Dolphins in receptions last year and I think the number one thing is you look at this team and you go okay what were the big problems Matthew Stafford didn't play well partially because of the offensive line not reaching its potential not doing what they needed to do and you know those two things fed on each other because the protection wasn't there like you'd hoped it would be and then Stafford couldn't get rid of the ball quickly. And part of that was because he had no options. You and I have talked repeatedly about how in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, they kind of had two deep ball, jump ball, contested catch specialists. You know, Galladay has a little bit more upside. You know, we're going to see a little bit more of him. You hope you can run the whole route tree a little bit better. But if you've got to get rid of the ball in two steps, in three steps, you know, who is that guy that you throw to? Amendola can absolutely be that guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote in our, we had ran up sort of a big, you know, all-encompassing reaction to what happened uh, Monday, and I, I wrote, I, I mean, I think from a financial perspective and a talent perspective, you're landing between what you had last year. You're landing between Bruce Ellington and Golden Date, um, which is fine. I mean, I think that that is... Like you said, they didn't have that guy that Matthew Stafford could trust. I also think, as we've seen, you know, you mentioned the injuries and so the play calling, but I think Matt Patricia wants this offense to look more like the Patriots' offense, which is going to be yes. a lot of those, you know, the option routes and a lot of those short rub routes that the Patriots run all the time. And <laughs> the Lions didn't really have, <laughs> you know, especially after Tate was gone, the Lions didn't really have a guy that you could trust to to run those routes really well and to get open and understand what they were doing and then to you know, make the catch and get you a couple of yards. And I think Amendola is a guy that, you know, he's probably going to catch. If he stays healthy, you're probably talking 70 passes, 80 passes in this offense and probably 9, yeah. 10 yards a catch. And he's not going to be more than that, but he's probably not going to be less than that either. So for one year, I think it's fine. And again, I don't think it... I don't think it rules out the possibility that they go draft a pass-catching tight end or that they draft a really explosive mm -hmm. slot guy because you've covered your bases, basically. I think that's what this is. It's a cover-your-bases signing. Absolutely, and I 100% agree there's a, a mismatch guy, whether that's a, a straight speed burner, whether it's a size speed guy at tight end, maybe even both, you know, that they have enough picks and enough wiggle room, but this guy, this signing gives you cover to kind of do a little bit either or what do you think in terms of 
you know, there's talk about locker room impact, you know, as a guy, as a winner, he's been in several different places. You know, he's played with a lot of great coaches, a lot of great quarterbacks. I do feel like there, in each of the Lions' last few, if you want to call it generations, you know, hey, we drafted this guy, drafted this guy, drafted this guy, signed this young veteran. This is going to be our new nucleus. There has been a bit of a brain drain in that, you know, this organization doesn't have a lot of winners with Super Bowl rings hanging around going, look, I know how to win. Look, this is how you do it, kid. You know, that like there aren't a lot of those guys. And, and really Stafford is the graybeard, certainly by a long shot on that side of the ball. Do you think there is, that there is any added value there and having a guy who's seen it and done it as much as Amendola has? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some. You don't want to go too far because I think that was the part of the idea behind the Garrett Blunt signing, and we saw, you know, what happened with that. We saw <laughs> all that worked out. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that I do think there's an element of that, especially this off season, because they got rid of you know T.J. Lang's gone. Glover Quinn was probably the most respected guy in that locker room. Period. He's gone. Uh, Nevin Lawson was really well liked among that secondary group. So you're taking away some guys who had been kind of anchors from a personality standpoint and a leadership standpoint, and you got to replace those guys. And that you need to rely on the youngsters coming up to fill those voids to some extent. But I think there is something to Amendola playing that role. Uh, and I think he should. I mean, he should help Stafford, certainly, too. I mean, I think he's a, he's a guy who's played with Brady. He's played in what they want this offense to look like, more or less. So, you know, when you're out there and a route doesn't work, now instead of having – Bruce Ellington, who's been there for three weeks, or Brandon Powell, who's never played in the NFL before, you know, Amadola can come back to the bench and say, well, I, you know, I think we should, I think I'll go this way next time, or I think, you know, we need to run that a little sharp, whatever the tip is, I think this should help Matthew Stafford too. So there's certainly an element of that. Uh, but again, I, you know, you can't just sign a bunch of guys who have won Super Bowls and be like, all right, we're going to win another Super Bowl. We're going <laughs> to win one. We got these guys that know how to win because it's harder than that, but I think it'll help. It is. It is. Kyle Schuberg takes us to our next guy on the list here, Jesse James. I'm sorry, actually, this is this is uh, Brandon Kerr, SFH Commission 1. Thoughts on Jesse James? I read a negative report on him as very slow. Um, he jumped back in and quote and, and figured it out. John Ledyard from the Draft Network. I saw this earlier. Lions fans, my thoughts on Jesse James. Big, slow, smart versus zone, knows where to sit. Terrific in scramble drills. Unathletic and won't win many contested catches or do much after catch. Has improved as blocker. Natural size allows him to be solid, but he's not overly aggressive. I mean, that kind of runs all over the gamut, but you get the picture. This is not Gronk. This is not you know, your mismatch guy, this is not going to take the Lions probably out of the running for drafting a guy. No, absolutely not. I mean, I think this is your Levine Toilolo upgrade, frankly. And, you know, you bring in sure. Michael Roberts back, and so now you got to find your Luke Wilson, who's going to be your move tight end that uh, you can go play around with a little bit and ideally use more than they use are Luke Wilson. Are they bringing Michael Roberts back? Well, I think they are. I mean, I, I will yeah. say right now I think they are. I mean, I know that they were – there were points last year where they were pretty high on Michael Roberts. I think the challenge with Michael Roberts, and I, you can stop me if I brought this up. I probably have on the podcast before, but yeah. you know, he's a guy that is he's better practicing and playing on the field than he is in the classroom, and so that brings some yeah. limitations to what you can do and can't do with a guy. But I think from a pass catching perspective, if he's your number three tight end next year, great. That's perfect. 
You know, you throw him out there, get him in the red zone. That's exactly what you want. And Jesse James, now, like I said, I think he's an upgrade on Toilolo. He's a really, really good three-down blocker. Toilolo wasn't, frankly, even that. I mean, he was a fine blocker, but James is a better blocker. He's going to help him in the run game, which is a huge focus. And I think the other thing we talk about, you know, he's not super athletic. He didn't, you know, he didn't run like a 4-5 at the tight end position, but he's not, uh, I think he's get, getting a little bit, I think he's got a little more in the tank than maybe uh, that, that John Ledger tweet gave him credit for. And, uh, sure. you know, last year, uh, 14.1 yards per catch, way above his previous career high. So, again, not too bad. are you yeah. getting this guy right as he's a figuring it all out? You know, maybe he is. Maybe he's the guy that just sort of takes off in that role. And and certainly the one thing that jumps out in that scouting report is that he's is the scramble drill thing. Like, Stafford needs those guys, man. Like, oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> you need a guy that's going to go find a soft spot and make a tough catch when things break down. Knows because where they to break sit down all in the, the zone. Yeah, that's perfect. That's why... 57-year-old Jason Witten is walking out of the broadcast booth and into a $3.5 million contract because that guy, after all these years, can still sit in a zone in the middle of a scramble drill and give Dak Prescott some big body to throw the ball to, and he will catch the ball and hold on to it and fall down. And that's still a valuable skill in the NFL. Uh, and to, Speaking of Michael Roberts' opinions we've shared on the podcast before, I still say my uber would have been waiting for michael roberts after he didn't fight for that game-winning touchdown <laughs> but moving on no i mean obviously you know talented kid and and, and certainly you want to you want to win that lottery ticket like it you see the size you see the ability if you're seeing it in practice and you think it can come together you want to be the team that cashes in on him you don't want another ebron situation right uh, but so and that, I think that, he can still be yeah. – I think he can be a useful guy. Like I said, if he's your number three tight end, that's a different setup than even last year when you thought he might be your number three or he might be your matchup tight end, and then the first two guys didn't do much, and <laughs> so you wind up with a whole different situation. I, you know, I think this is a – assuming he's still around, year three, you know, second year in this – with this coaching staff, I, I think he's got a chance to be a really good red zone weapon for them. And if that's all he is, then all right, then that's all he is. But, you know, I don't know that you can give up on him just yet. All right, we are going to wrap this up. You've got stuff to do. I've got stuff to do. It is the sleepless time in the NFL right now. But Kyle Schubert, I do want to get to his tweet. Who did a better job repurposing players? Bob Quinn, Recycling Patriots. <laughs> or Dave Dabrowski recycling tigers. Oh man, the, the Detroit Boston connection. <laughs> I mean, if the if recycling Patriots winds up the way that recycling tigers works out, people are going to be pretty Amen. happy around here. <laughs> maybe, Absolutely. Maybe Trey Flowers is the uh, JD Martinez of, of football. We just don't <laughs> know it yet. All right. Well, I think that will give us a great note to end on, Chris. Thank you for your time. As always, we look forward to more, possibly more signings, more coverage, certainly at The Athletic Detroit. If you don't subscribe, why haven't you subscribed? You get not only access to Chris's Lions content and Craig's Red Wings content, you get everybody, uh, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, 
And then the national stuff, all the sister sites and the Athletic Inc., the special stories. There's so much good stuff on theathletic.com. And, of course, go to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, rate us, review us. It helps us keep doing it. We will stay right here where you listen to us for more as the Lions continue making big moves here on Backward Down the Field, the world's largest air-supported podcast. It's a thing.